The word Bodhi means awaken. So it's said that the Buddha awakened under the Bodhi tree. And what we affirm here, while we are not a Buddhist community, we do honor all paths. And what we affirm is that awakening is for the many, not the few. That the old paradigm of a few masters and mystics, saints and sages, is actually the invitation for the collective to start saying yes to its awakening. So thanks for saying yes to your own personal awakening. Very grateful to have you here. We are a social media friendly community. If you are not already following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we would love to ask you to do that at Bodhi Chicago. Please take pictures, take videos, post insights. Most people find us these days because of your social media posts. You can use the hashtag Bodhi Chicago and the hashtag reveal love. So again, thank you so much for being here. We are grateful to wake up ourselves and to do it together. So enjoy this day. So I want to tell you a little bit about this incredible human being, Carlton Pearson. You know, we're kicking off our series today titled Lightworkers. And when we found out he was going to be in Chicago, of course, it was perfectly orchestrated that he could kick off this series. And I think he is just the most incredible and appropriate person to explore this topic with us. You know, the light doesn't exist unless there is darkness. That's how we know contrast. That's how we know polarity. That's how we understand we're in this dimension of reality. He's someone who has spent many nights walking in the dark. And as I said to him earlier this morning, anyone can walk in the light. Anyone can walk when the path before them is clear to be seen. But it takes a master practitioner to navigate the unseen path, to navigate the places and spaces that you can't see. And that's really what we come together to remind my, ourselves, that, that there is something else going on here. That there's something else going on here. The very talk, first talk I ever did at Bodhi was um, based on a... Um, a verse out of the Tao Te Ching, and, and it reads, the path into the light seems dark. And for me, the operative word there is seems. You know, it really does seem seductive when life feels dark and hard. But um, Carlton Pearson was uh, really a megastar in his world, in the Christian world. He was known as, you know, possibly the heir apparent to someone like Oral Roberts, and so he led a massive community in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And as I understand it, had a spiritual awakening. At one point went before his community and said, you know, this conversation that we've been having about damnation and about a geography called hell, and that something uh, about you as you are, who you are, is intrinsically wrong and broken. Turns out I don't believe that anymore. And in short order, he was asked to leave very swiftly. And uh, that was a big risk. You know, it's easy to go along to get along. But when something starts to stir in your soul and you feel called and compelled to honor the integrity of your being and say, I can no longer speak this word anymore. And that has given him a lot of dark nights, I suppose. So he now is um, just an incredible visionary on the planet. He has a recently released movie on Netflix 
called Come Sunday. If you have not seen it, I strongly encourage you to watch it. The cast is incredible. It really depicts the pain of his experience, and I know today he will celebrate the, uh, the light, the path, the awakened self. So Carlton Pearson, I'm grateful you're here. When I said yes to the unknown in this community, it was, a, it was Good Friday, and something stirred in me and said, you're here to lead a community of consciousness. And I just wept and wept and wept. And you were one of the first people I talked to thereafter. And you said, Lola, you have to tell them. You have to tell them. And uh, your words over the years, your conviction, your certainty, your ability to see me in the unseen enabled me to lean into you until I could see it for myself. So I'm very grateful for you. Thank you for loving on me. Thank you for loving on this community. And welcome home to Chicago. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm a connoisseur of preachers and pastors and church folk. <laughs> Been around it all my life. Fourth generation, classical Pentecostal preacher. Uh, pew jumping, devil thumping, Bible toting and quoting. And <laughs> the deepest of that, actually. The old wine and old wine skins. It was valuable when it was valuable. Jesus makes reference to old wine and old wine skins. And uh, I, was, I got new wine, a new thought or awakening, and I was pouring it into old wine skins, and it burst. And as he said it would, and I lost like 5,000 members and hundreds of thousands of friends. And um, I'm no longer, and I spent many years repairing old wine skins as a churchman and a bishop in the Lord's church. Then I got to the place where I realized I couldn't repair it anymore. I needed to replace it. Um, and I got, I lost my appetite for old wine, old wine skins, and old wine O's. <laughs> Drunk on and intoxicated with the old wine. And they, then they became old wineers. They whining about everything. And I was one of them, so I've had this amazing change. Lola is one of the most creative, idea-focused visionaries. Her energy, her, um, her, her attention given to detail, her leadership qualities and skills, her fearlessness and her stability. She's, she's a very centered core person. One of the strongest I've known. And <laughs> off the chain. When we talk, she's so full of ideas. Sometimes she calls me for a little counsel, and I'm taking those on the side. You know. <laughs> she'll ask me a question, and I'll answer it the same way she asked it, and she'll think it was my answer. <laughs> she always asks questions with the answer hidden in there. She does, I don't know if she does that on purpose, or, which means, and that's a sign to me and to all of us, the answer, because what you want wants you. What you want really is you, which is the highest experience and expression of yourself possible. You might leave today and say, I enjoy, and say, I enjoyed the service, I enjoyed the, the, the song, and I enjoyed the sermon. But the question would be, did you enjoy the self? 
Did you enjoy yourself? Because you have to take that joy with you when you leave. You live not with the sermon, the service, or the song. We highlight it, we, it, and we accentuate it, and we enhance it for you. But yourself is the most important reality in your being. The, the closest to God any of us will ever get is self-actualization. To be actually, factually, functionally, punctually, unapologetically, you. We spend our lives impersonating who we think people want us to be from childhood. And then in the process, never get to know who we are and who we aren't. The greatest awakening I had was I was 50 years old and I realized that uh, after everything left, everybody left, all but the thousands of friends and the courtesy that was accorded, afforded me was gone. Nobody wanted to court me, That's the word courtesy comes from. Nobody wanted to hang out with me. Nobody wanted to marry me or date me. <laughs> I was a bishop, and now I'm a son of a bishop, and to most of them. <laughs> and so I've been hanging around with New Thought folks like y'all. Y'all crazy, and I love that about you. <laughs> And I believe that all of our steps are ordained by an ultimate reality that we call God. And Lola, you really are right in step. This is the music, by the way. You. One of the blackest singing white girls I've ever seen in my life. I was getting you mixed up with the stuff behind you. I said, wow. Light would not be light without darkness. All you white folks are in trouble without us, so remember that. <laughs> you don't know who you are without <laughs> Off the chain band, you guys are obviously professionals. That, I, I couldn't see you, but I heard you. In the trumpet, you just, you're special. This is the foreplay, always. If you really want to make love in the worship experience, you want to have a climactic, orgasmic experience, it's preceded by what I call this is the intimate foreplay that brings moisture in the room. Wetness, spirit, mist, mysteries and mist stories. And then when we inject into the house a word, a consciousness, it finds an egg that is fertile in each of us and a germination takes place. Somebody gets what some people call a miracle or a healing or a deliverance or an enlightenment or an illumination, some kind of shift to change. And that's what we do every time. That's why there's so much attention given to detail. There's rehearsals, there's preparation. And because this is not the permanent home, there's a lot of shifting every week. You know, all you folks that volunteer and have to put up these things, chairs and mics and, and your sound and do the stage and get the building ready. Uh, this is what it takes because Lola represents a new beginning in the Bodhi consciousness a new awareness and, and the leadership and respect it, please. I, I know her spirit. I recognize and discern who she is. And uh, I just want to affirm that because I think it's very important that you, 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 you loose the strong woe man. She's a man with a womb. A woman is a female, a woman is a female man. And a man is a mailman, even if he don't know where the mailbox is. He's a... Well, the womb man, and sometimes the female is the wounded man. There's a lot of pain associated with it. And this whole Me Too movement, this whole 
feminine essence and goddessness that is coming afresh, returning to its space and place, is an awakening to all of us. It's never going to be the way it used to be with this culture in America. I believe Bodhi is, is a key church. I have a lot of my New Dimensions folks here that I, I tried to do this up here for a little bit. Y'all, all my New Dimensions friends and come Monday friends all over here. Uh, a lot of them come here now. And so I, I wish I could be here more. I love Chicago. I love this place. I love the space. I love you all. And uh, I love love. Thank you. I miss you more. I was with Clay Evans yesterday. He's 93 years old. I just went to kiss him and hug on him and love on him. Stayed there about an hour. Michelle and I and, and uh, Gerald didn't go, but he, Gerald's been driving me since I got here. Pick me up at the airport. Send, raise your hand, Gerald. He's, uh, he takes me around in his BMW and all. That's beside the point. No, it ain't. It is the point. He, <laughs> I'm supposed to, Michelle's been with me for since I came to, to uh, CUT years ago. I'm not going to talk long. You never get to talk long in New Thought Churches. That's one of the things I like about it. The sermon in this church is long as the prayer before the introduction and in, in where I came from. <laughs> you got to get up, speak up, and shut up. And I, and I like that. I've gotten used to that. Um, I love the quote by Anne Frank. And she was a Jewish teenager who went into hiding during the Holocaust. And she journaled her experiences in uh, um, the diary of Anne Frank. But she said, look at how a single candle can both defy and define dark. Dark has been given a bad rap for years. Night has been given a bad rap. The name of the, month, the movie that, I, that they just did in, on Netflix is Come Sunday. And I have a new program now called Come Monday. Come Sunday is the movie. Come Monday is the movement. Away from traditional modules and modalities and paradigms into a new way of thinking and a new way of being, bridging humanity to divinity, science to spirituality. Science means knowledge. Conscience or conscious means with conscientia in Latin, with knowledge. Awareness. Knowledge in the next 30, 50, at the most 100 years will superimpose itself over faith. Faith is about religion. Knowledge is about relationship with yourself and your soul, with your essence, your permanent rather than your accidental self. The real you, the immortal, immeasurable, immediate self, the immutable self. You evolve, but you don't really change. You just expand who you are. That's the new kind of religion that's coming. The millennials look right through us and with, usually with their cell phones into the cloud. <laughs> they ain't paying no attention. As my grandmother used to say, they ain't paying us no attention. <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> Looking right through us into the, the iCloud. There's the iPhone and the iPad and the iCloud and the I am and the OM and the Amen. And that's amazing sound. And the Greek word for sound is echos. English word is echo. And an echo is a sound out of the past. When the past catches up with you, usually initiated by your deja, your spiritual deja vus, you have these flashbacks. Dang, I, wait. I signed, seems like, wait a minute. I, I remember that energy. Where? I remember I, I think I made a, I'm not an accident. I'm here on purpose. I decided to come, I just forgot it.
I had a pre-incarnate decision to come here. Then the night becomes clarity. Winter has longer nights, colder nights, lonelier nights, supposedly. Everybody likes Sunday, but nobody likes Moon Day. We even like Saturn Day, and all the days of the week are named after Greek gods or goddesses. Saturn Day, Sunday, bright light, interaction, fun, fellowship, but then Moon Day, when the light is not quite as clear, not as bright, and you have to pay more careful attention, and you don't always see the details, don't get frustrated at night when you don't see all the details. You're not supposed to see the details because the night light is not as bright as the morning light. So don't freak out when you don't see it all, when it's not so expertly or excellently articulated or enunciated. You, you hear a little slur in the language. You hear a little static in the vibrations and the sounds. What you hear, the acoustical vibrations of your soul, sometimes are not quite as clear. Don't panic. Scripture says weeping endures for a night joy comes in the morning. Scripture also says that the evening and the morning were the first day. Some of the greatest revelations you'll ever have are at night. Abraham was having a conversation, according to the Hebrew scriptures, with uh, God. And, and he was 75 years old, and, God, and his wife was barren, and God was telling him that he would have a child, that he would have a whole generation, that he would have a namesake, and he would, have, he would create a nation. And Abraham didn't believe it initially because it didn't make sense, but his wife... Abraham was interested in it. He wanted to see his seed carried out. But his wife, Sarah, heard the conversation and said, you got to be kidding me. She was a little younger than him. I don't want no kids. I don't even want to talk about kids. I can't hardly walk. And you in here talking about kids, children. When he was 100 and she was 90, she got pregnant. And when she had the baby, she named him Isaac, Yitzchak, which means laughter. This is like a joke, she was thinking. <laughs> When Abraham struggled believing it, and I'm, I'm skipping, actually reading the passage, he heard God say, go outside your tent and count the stars if you can, the stars in the sky, which means that he was getting that conversation and revelation at night. The greatest revelation of Abraham's purpose, Abraham, came at night because you can't count stars in the daytime. So he had to go outside his tent so his vision would not stop at the ceiling sometimes you got to get out of the tent or the comfort zone or the place where you have security to a less familiar place at night but at night you can see light better it's hard to even notice light in the daytime light and darkness attract one another and are attracted to each other and they're friends talk to me somebody my night seemed horrible for me and horrendous, and I had all these crazy ideologies about who I was and who I wasn't, and all these friends and people left me, and, and uh, I didn't really leave. They didn't kick me out. They left and left me with a church I couldn't afford, a building and a property. We had just about paid it off. I only owned maybe 2.9 million more at a 645-acre ranch with a 27-acre lake on it for inner-city troubles teens, Azusa Music and, and Azusa Credit Union. And I had a whole entity there that I had spent 40 years of my life, really 50, building, and then it ended up in plastic crates, in storage. All my writings, all my books, my several years of video, you go from hero to zero overnight. It's stunning. 
And in that dark period is when I said, nobody loves me, nobody likes me, I'm done. And I heard a voice say, what if you decided to come here, made a decision to come here, a commitment to come here, and then forgot about it? What if we, in in some pre-incarnate reality, actually said, I want to come to earth to experience my divinity, to express my divinity, to expose my divinity? What if creation wanted to experience itself as human? What if divinity wanted to express itself and experience itself as humanity? And we are that expression and sometimes that experiment to see how spirit and humanity can work together. I believe that's who we are. We're sitting next to gods and goddesses. We're involved in that. And, and, and in the early Hebrew scripture, it says, in beginning gods, not God, El, Elohim, gods, a consortium or council of deities created the heavens, multiple high places and spaces. Jesus once says, in my father's house, there are many mansions, meaning many dimensions, many levels and spaces and places and floors and spheres, really experiences and many expressions. When a loved one transitions, you think they're dead. They're in the same house, just on another floor and in another form. And we're not only, we're not only multi-dimensional uh, people, we are uh, beings, we are interdimensional. We can go from one floor to another, sometimes in seconds. You're doing it now. You're going in and out. We all, we, all walk, we all walk along, but none of us walks alone. There are passengers that we pick up along the way. Hitchhikers, sometimes nameless and faceless, but they have opinion. <laughs> and you're listening to their conversation and the one I'm trying to have with you. They're actually making commentary on what I'm saying. And there's so many voices so many choices. They're all out there. By the way, rivers of Babylon, the writing says, we sat and wept. Babel means confusion. By the rivers, not just a lake or a pond, but a flow of confusion. We sat and wept when we remembered Zion. When's the last time you had a memory that made you cry? When we remembered Zion, it's the Hebrew word Zion, the English word sign or marker, way marker, significance. When we remembered our significance, We wept around the confusion because we heard all these voices, all these choices, but I remembered my essence, my significance, my signal, my sign, and my assignment. I never forgot my assignment through all that cloudy, dark, foggy, smoggy time. There on the rivers we hung our our harps, our captors asked us to sing the songs of Zion. How can I sing the Lord's song in a strange foreign land. The country's been going through a strange foreign land lately. It shifted into some kind of country that we don't even identify anymore because we felt we were making such progress and now everybody's upset. This big coming out party for all the haters on the down low. (laughs) The last two years. Folks I thought really loved me, didn't (laughs) So you're worried about that. This is all just a part of the clearing out and the cleaning out and the cleansing out of an obscurity that we didn't need anymore. Sometimes make America great again means make America hate again legally. Be abusive, mistreat people, say stuff about and to them. I don't want to get too far in that. Anyway... Victor Frankl, the late Victor Frankl said, 
And I like this quote. I use it all the time. To live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning or significance. To find a sign or assignment in the suffering. Darkness has its role. Life is a sexually transmitted disease or disease. It's a tension. It's incurable. And it's terminal because we all go through the transition we call death. But it's not untreatable. My people have heard me say that many times. That's, we're in treatment. That's why y'all came today. You need some treatment. <laughs> to deal with the disease, the tension, the stress, the anxiety. We don't always realize when somebody asks you, how are you doing? They're basically saying, how are you dying? Because from the time you take the first inhalation of breath, you swam in water for nine months. Because you didn't need any oxygen. So you didn't have to breathe the same way. The earth is 70%. surface of the earth is water. When you come out of your mother's womb, you are 80% water. And as an adult, you're about 50 or 60%. Your brain remains 80% water. You have 100,000 arteries, miles of arteries in your body, all filled with salt water. Hemo, coursing and vamping through there. That's why vibrations and sounds are so important because you get responses. Somebody, that's why not only what you're named, but what you're called, what you hear does cause a chemical, a cellular, and cellular response in your being. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you focus on. So you are sound and energy and electromagnetic energy, and you're always vibrating, even in darkness, the light. And on a cloudy day like today, the sun is still shining. It's just not quite as bright. The sun rays are coming through. You can get one of the worst uh, sunburns you've ever had on an overcast day. Because the sun really never stops shining. And the light in the moon is there because it is reflecting the sun on the, in the other hemisphere. Reflecting on that planet and it sends a night light. Say, say thank God for the night light. Great revelation can come at night. It has come to me many, 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 many times. And I'm learning. So if somebody says, how are you dying? <laughs> Look at someone and say, how are you doing? Say it. Tell your neighbor, how are you doing? You're busy saying, how are you dying? And you might say, oh, I'm dying pretty good today. <laughs> your money's right. Your body's right. Everything's good. Then a week or so later, things get a little different. And they say, how are you doing? I ain't dying so good today. How are you dying? Because you're doing and moving. We're human beings, not human doings. No, nobody says, how are you being? They just said, how are you doing? <laughs> which means how you're dying. You're on your way to that transition. I don't even see death anymore as negative. It's just a transition to the next form, the next formation, the next formula. Darkness is okay. Night is, has its place. Moon is the night light. In beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness spread across the deep of the abyss. Then light came. Light begins in darkness. So when you're going through a dark time, remember there's an invitation. There's an invocation. You're inviting and invoking light. I saw light in my darkness. I saw power in my pain. One songwriter said, when I lost it all, I found everything. I died a pauper, but I to be born a king. For when I learned how to lose, I found out how to win. I lost it all, but I found everything. 
So I'm a new me. I'm a new man. I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I'm freer than I've ever been in my life. I'm less religious. I'm, I'm less judgmental. I'm not angry as I used to be. Church folk could be some of the meanest folks you'll meet. And they're mean because they're mad. And they're mad because their God has anger management issues. The God I, I, I was raised around needs some therapy. He was always angry, throwing tantrums and hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and cancer and AIDS and fiery darts and always angry and you were tipping around scared. It's not really faith-based as much as it is fear-based and faith-biased. I'm ready to know like I've never known before. I'm ready to be aware like I've never been aware before. This really is an awakening place. It's an awakening because religious people are hypnotized. Hypnosis is the Greek word for sleep. They're lulled to sleep. Sometime in church. <laughs> one, 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 one preacher was preaching and he saw the lady, lady's husband had fallen asleep. And she said, lady, wake your husband up while I'm preaching. She said, you wake him up. You put him to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we do that every once in a while. So when that energy is there and that that power is there in that what we call the anointing your messianic purpose you're anointed and appointed you're marked you have significance you have a sign you send a signal when you walk in a room everything all things literally work together for an ultimate good you're supposed to be here right now everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be for now it may change in a couple of seconds or minutes or weeks but you're right on time you're right on target don't complain just say yes and i'm thankful and i'm on my way to that wealthy place the clarity will come ultimately i found that i've wasted a lot of time protesting and and and, and contesting who i am and what was going on now i realize that all of it worked together so beautifully there would never have been a movie there's no testimony without a test. <laughs> Tests become testimonies. Sometimes they become testimonies. You can make a little change on that test. Talk to me somebody. <laughs> so on moon day, I'm, I'm looking for the nightlight and enjoy it. Wrap your arms around yourself and just give yourself a quick little squeeze there. Say, I got this. Say it again, I am this. Say, it's all good. Because it's, it's all God. Now, science, knowledge, and nature, I wrote this as well, all of whom uh, work, uh, which work cooperatively together in a magical, mysterious manifestation of, of light, <clears throat> counterproduced, is counterproduced by perceived darkness. Light dances with darkness. Light cooperates and co-allies itself, co-creates and procreates with darkness. They need each other for definition. You don't confine them, but you can define each other when they come. When you embrace the dark moment, it becomes courteous to you. And the invitation of light comes through that darkness. Some of the greatest songs that were ever written were written at night, usually when somebody was high, in between the seasons. One thing I say about musicians, y'all don't usually live on the note, you live between the notes. Y'all spaced out people. You, Aliens. 
The word music comes from the word muse, which means to think. A muse is the opposite. You are, you are musicians, singers. You hear something that we don't hear. We hear what we, the best we can, but you folk in general, you live in that mysterious in-between place, and a lot of the, the rest of you here, we don't live on those notes. It's the space between the words that is most spiritual. It's the space between the notes that is most mysterious. The mystery and mystery of who you are. That's why silence can be noisy. And people don't like it. As soon as you walk in the room, you turn radio on television. You get in the car, you got to hear music. Silence scares you sometimes. But there's a powerful enunciation in the silence that you won't hear in the noise. Noise is where we get the word nausea. On the other side of the noise and the nausea is a sound. And the sound, I told you, is Acos echo, something out of the past. It's why you came here. It comes to you. Bam. Oh, wait a minute. I got this. I'm supposed to be here. I'm assigned here. This is my placement. Say it with me, please. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here. And who I am in my evolving self right now. Everything is working in concert. For the higher purpose, the bitter and the sweet. See, I'm not a melting pot. I'm a stew. The tomato is the tomato. The corn is the corn. The garlic is the garlic. The, the chitlin is the, uh, the greens are the greens. Everything has its place. But if you just eat pure garlic, usually you don't like it and nobody likes you. But if the garlic is, is stewing with the pea and the carrot, and the potato. And if, you, if you're a vegetarian, you just have vegetables. If you, I'm a meat-eating vegetarian. <laughs> I usually have meat with my vegetables. <laughs> a little bit carnivorous. <laughs> but all, I found out the bitter in this, all of this is making together. I've met friends. I found people and relationships that are profound, that, I, that are more depth have more depth to them, more meaning to them. I'm finding like spirits. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. I'm reading, I'm learning. I'm, I'm 65 years old and it's like I'm 45 all over, or 35 all over. I'm, I'm experiencing myself at a level I would not have. And I'm not bored and I'm not angry. I don't have self-pity. So sometimes I am pitiful, but I, I, I'm not, I'm, I got this. Turn to somebody and say, I got this, I got it. Say it's all over me, come on. Now shift your, move your hands up and shift the energy around. Say, wow, this is powerful. This is glorious. This is wonderful. I'm on my way up. Higher, higher, higher. The light is getting brighter and brighter. I'm an enlightened. I'm awakened up. Now, the reason some people don't like bright light is because they've been asleep a lot. I, I didn't pay attention to what time I got up here. Tell me when I'm... We're good. All right. The reason some people res, re, resent or resist the bright light is because they've been sleeping a long time. If somebody comes into your room in the middle of the night and flips the light on, First thing you're going to do is turn that light out. The light's not bad, but your eyes have not adjusted to it. It's shocking. It's stunning. It's really offensive. So sometimes you have to start it slow. And when people react to the enlightenment that I, that I consider myself enjoying, I don't freak out. I have thousands of friends now, hundreds of ministers who are coming back and say, Doc, 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 I'm listening to you, man. Don't stop. I can't come out yet because I, I, no, I ain't got no theological problem with you. It's a business decision. <laughs> I got to eat, you know. I got to pay. I got a pension and a parsonage. Um, 
But there's a, there's a great awakening taking place all over this land. 2019, there'll probably be a little bit of an intense uh, experience of natural disasters, some drama in media from the White House on. It's a tense time. The leaders may get sick physically because they don't know how to respond to the tension of change. Um, you're going to see some pretty unusual things occur. Hold steady. All that's going to do is make this ministry and this kind of thinking more relevant. Religion, religion as we know it, will dissipate and disappear over the next 30 to 50 to 100 years at the most. And we won't even recognize it as it is today. We will actually go into a post-Christian era. I didn't say post-Christ, because Christ is just consciousness. It's anointed person and purpose that will never go away. You'll become more directly connected and awaringly connected to your own Christ person and presence and purpose. Why you came here. Every, every day at this age, you get a call from somebody saying somebody transitioned. You lost somebody. Somebody died, they're saying. Um, one, one preacher got up and said, people that are dying that, that have never died before. <laughs> Come on, some of y'all get it in a minute. <laughs> There's changing. The pillars and the pillows are gone, are going. My mom's 89. She lives with me now since my dad made his transition. She's the sweetest nuisance I've ever had in my life. <laughs> she burns on me every other day, if not every day. But I just hug her and kiss her and say, thank you, Ma. I'll go. One time we had to call the fire department because the fire alarms went off. But I'm never mean to her. Just hug her and kiss her. What's your lay down, sweetheart? I got this. We'll take care of it. She loves neck bones and burns them constantly. <laughs> but that's my mom. I'm going to take care. And nobody will take care of her like I will take care of her. There are five, six of her children. And, but she lives in my town. I'm going to take care of my mom. Say, she took care of me. You know, some people carry unforgiveness for 60 years. Mad at your mama because you weren't her favorite. And everybody thinks that all children think that the other one was the favorite. I was the, I was the fourth of seven children my mom had. She lost the first one. All her pregnancies were very difficult. By the time she got to me, she didn't want any children. The one my sister preceded me was born one year exactly to the date. And mama was an only child. So she didn't like daddy. She didn't like the kids, and she showed it like me when I got her. She didn't want me here. There are no baby pictures of me. I'm the only. All my friends got some cute little baby pictures. Ain't none of me. Wasn't nobody glad when I got here. I didn't know it. I just, I'm just me. But sometimes that one, that, that, sometimes that middle child is the more assertive. The one is the high achiever because you're going to make folks know you're in this. Oh, yeah, I'm here. I got this. I don't need anybody to affirm me. I'll affirm myself. If you're single and wondering, want somebody to take you out, take yourself out. Just go out yourself. Buy yourself a card. Send yourself some flowers. I love me some me. Wrap your arms around yourself once again. Darkness is your friend. Nighttime has its place and its space. Quiet yourself and your soul. And listen to the sound of silence. There's a conversation going on there. 
Every once in a while, it needs to be monologue, and you just listen. You are so powerful and so enlightened. You have a body, you have a mind, but you are spirit. And spirit is profoundly, naturally intelligent. You are science. You are that powerful vibration in the earth. You are an amazing sound and you are an amazing expression. You, yourself, as you are. And everything that you've gone through has made you who you are and projects who you are becoming. You are little gods, little powerful divine entities. I commission you to be that unapologetically, the unedited, authentic, or authorized you, the original you. Enjoy that over these next several weeks and months as you go into 2019. And whatever shakings or shiftings occur, you've got this. We pronounce on you and send you away with awareness, self-awareness first. That the Bodhi spirit will manifest itself into, through, and as you in ways you've never known so far. Your best is yet to come and be realized and recognized and identified. Now lift those arms up one more time as a way of surrendering to the essence that you are and to the beauty that you are sending out into the universe. Your darkness is your light. And your light walks hand in hand with your darkness. You've got this. You're beautiful. I love you. God bless you. God be you. Well done. Bishop Carlton Pearson. Such a gift. So let us go into a little bit of stillness here. Take a few conscious breaths together. I invite you to close your eyes if that's comfortable for you. You can keep them open if you prefer. And begin to bring your awareness to the tip of your nose as the breath enters the body. Allow the belly to soften, the shoulders to fall. What I know is that there was something that stirred in each of us this day. So we allow this time of stillness to integrate the transmission of truth, the expansion of consciousness. Allow the breath as it moves through your body to expand your conscious awareness of gratitude. The exquisite and extraordinary design of you uniquely and perfectly. What a great and holy gift to release, to lay down any false sense of self 
that you've previously believed is broken or wounded, just lay that down. Notice your mind has wandered. Bring it back to your breath. For it is here in this now moment that I recognize the eternal and infinite presence of all that is. It is this one and perfect life that uniquely expresses through each of us. And so it is from this place of oneness that I know this day I am the individualized manifestation of all that is. And as that is true for me, I absolutely know that that is true for each of us here. I know that we walk on this earth with a sense of curiosity and wonder for the exquisite and the extraordinary that is before us. I give great thanks for any place or space in our life that has had the perceived experience of difficulty or darkness. I know and trust that we make peace with that in this now moment, resting easy in the notion that all of life is for each of us. So take a deep breath in through your nose. Give yourself the gift of an audible exhale giving great thanks for this perfect moment, allowing the breath of life to move through each of us. I invite you to take another deep breath in. Allow your belly to expand. Give yourself the gift of an audible exhale. I release this word. I know it is done. I know that the shift in consciousness that has occurred here and now has forever altered the trajectory of humanity that the evolutionary impulse that has stirred here is expanded, it is awakened. And for that, I am deeply grateful. I release it, I let it be. And together we say, and so it is.